0: everybody and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. I am your host Katie Zaccardi and I can't wait for you to hear today's episode. Today I'm chatting with Melissa Garcia. Melissa is a founding partner, artist manager, and consultant at Collective Entertainment. She's also a certified yoga teacher, and today she's going to teach us all about how yoga can help us to balance the ego and be in touch with ourselves and our ego, as well as how yoga can help us ease anxiety and stress. So we have a really interesting discussion today. I think it's a nice follow-up from last week's episode where we talked about meditation and sound baths and a different way that we can approach this concept of meditation, and yoga is basically another way of doing that as well. We talk about setting intentions, how to approach your practice, how to start if you've never done yoga before, what a good place to start is. So this is a really fun episode. I really enjoyed my conversation with Melissa. And we had a really great time not just talking about yoga alone, but also tying all of these things into our lives as music industry professionals and as artists. And how this topic of yoga, of ego, and of anxiety all relates to our journey in the music industry so it's a really cool discussion about how we can use these tools to kind of change the culture of the music industry and change how we all show up in the world I can't wait for you guys to hear it and remember if you love this episode be sure to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it and definitely share your takeaways on Instagram you can tag me at katie zaccardi and the out to be podcast at out to be podcast as well as melissa at underscore Melissa Garcia. We'd love to know your thoughts, share it on your stories. I love to hear your feedback, and I know Melissa would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were as well. So let's hop into today's episode. Hi, Melissa, and welcome to the out to be podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here today. You are a fellow yoga teacher. I am also a yoga teacher and a music industry professional. So we're going to talk all about your journey and then get into kind of the nitty gritty of how yoga can actually help us and us being literally everyone, but also people who work in the music industry or are artists. So let's start with, how did you get into the music industry?
1: I studied music business in grad school at NYU. So I spent two years studying, um, interning, um, and altogether just enjoying being in the city. As a grad student, I started this amazing internship with my now business partner Emily White and at the time her management firm was called Whitesmith Entertainment and as an intern um, she really threw me into the trenches it was it was a great and amazing experience. A month into this internship I was at South By, I was tour managing bands, I was doing everything that you could possibly imagine and that's where my passion for artist management came from. From there uh, things Uh, snowballed and eventually I started working for her and then a year ago we launched collective entertainment as business partners so I I like to think of my story as the ideal interning dream of starting (laughs) starting as an intern yeah exactly and working really hard and then eventually starting your own management firm alongside a team of really amazing managers so <clears throat> that was a journey that spanned about seven, eight years. Oh, actually, probably seven, six, seven years. And uh, we hit our one-year anniversary last month. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the journey of being an artist manager. I've managed uh, different artists. I've also consulted. I've helped with social media campaigns, marketing campaigns, releases, and... Uh, we also have a sports division. So aside from our music side, we also work in sports. I manage a skydiving team in addition to some other music clients, um, which that's always really fun and exciting. I didn't know skydiving
0: teams even existed. <laughs> so yes, they, they
1: absolutely exist. And this team is called PD Factory Team. There's six guys and they're all located all over the world. And when people, ex- or when people ask me, what it's like. I, the best way I can describe it is it's like managing a boy band. That's <laughs> they really all have true. their yeah. own personalities, They all have their ideas and it's my job to rein them in, give them a focus and build towards a goal for everyone. Yeah. So when did your journey with yoga start? My journey with yoga started when I was in, undergrad at the University of Florida. I went to my first yoga class, and it was so intimidating, but I remember, the only thing I actually remember is the lights being turned off, and me getting to lay down and close my eyes, and of course that's Shavasana, and this was about over 10 years ago. So since then, I would attend classes here and there, and it really wasn't until after grad school when I developed a passion for it and wanted to start going to it regularly, Um, and this was around 2013. So as I built my yoga practice, I eventually became interested in more of the philosophy behind yoga. I was not interested in being a teacher. I did not think that I was mentally capable of that or or ready to even handle that kind of a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I moved back to DeLand, Florida in 2014 when I came to this amazing studio that changed my life called The Yoga Shed. It is literally in a garage um, on the airport in my town. And the instructor there, the main instructor there, her name is Emma. Uh, completely changed the way that I thought about yoga in so many ways. And that inspired me to eventually go through yoga teacher training. Uh, from there, I did not have the intent of becoming a teacher. And it wasn't until into that journey when that conversation came up between Emma and myself. If she, she wanted to know if I was interested in becoming a teacher. And I think that question planted the seed and inspired me to delve into that. So I've been teaching for a couple of years now, and it is one of the most rewarding experiences of my entire life. I love and adore my students, and I could not imagine not being a yoga teacher now.
0: Amazing. So did you do your training with Emma at the studio that you had first gone to?
1: Yes, I did. I absolutely 100% did, and she was just... Absolutely incredible. I still go to her yoga classes. I'm still learning from her, even though I might have a certification and maybe you feel the same way as a yoga teacher. You always feel like a student. I'm Totally, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah I'm like, there's so much that I feel like I could learn all the time.
1: Yeah, and I find that
0: journey in and of itself so fascinating because
1: the more you learn and the more you know, the less you feel like you know. There's always another level. And, and again, this is the beauty of yoga and becoming a yoga teacher and going through that journey is that there's always another tier to work towards. You're never just completely satisfied. I think all of us have that fiery side of, in us to constantly improve and grow. And as a yoga teacher, I certainly try to apply that um in my classes as well as a student and i also apply that as an artist manager in the music industry
0: so how can we kind of you know bring bring both of your worlds together and talk about how yoga can benefit us who are in the music industry i know to start like being present is a huge one can you talk a little bit more about this absolutely if there i mean there's
1: many things that can learn from yoga itself but one of the best things is to be present and to be mindful. I meditate every single day. I meditated before this chat between the two of us. I meditate before I teach a class. And just that simple act of quieting the mind and focusing on the breath, which is essentially the foundation of our yoga practice, is breath work and meditation. I'm already gearing myself and preparing myself to be present. One of the things that I like to tell my students and remind them is it's perfectly natural for the mind to fluctuate. It, it is constantly in a flux of thoughts, of, of memories, of ideas, of plans. And in a, on your yoga mat in a class, it's natural for that to come back. But the point of this yoga practice and this meditation is to bring you back to the present moment. In my day-to-day work life, I am constantly in that flux of thoughts and ideas and creativity and I have to plan this, I have to do this, and I have to take a step back every so often as a yogi to quiet down the mind, be focused, be present, and be aware. Just, just be aware of, of what you are given in that present moment.
0: I love everything that you just said, (laughs) and it's so true because, I mean, to start, we talk about meditation pretty frequently on this podcast because I think it is something that many people have found to help them, whether it's their journey with uh, anxiety, depression, anything mental health related, or just simply realizing that it makes them a calmer and more focused person when they're able to integrate a meditation practice into their routine, but i always try to you know ask people to go a little bit deeper into what their routine looks like and also remind people to keep in mind that you know it's it's normal for meditation to be hard at first or for our minds to wander and like a lot of people get intimidated i i feel because it's like oh i have to meditate which means i have to like be super perfect and not think of anything for 20 minutes and like sit still and like it's way harder than that and i love what you just said that we can take that practice of remembering. It's normal for our thoughts to wander, not only on the yoga mat but also in our day to day lives. And how can we stay focused and be present with the work that we're trying to do now and the life we're trying to live now, in order to kind of block out the other distractions we might be facing?
1: Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. I think it's interesting too, where y- you know you. You yourself have talked a lot about meditation and and that intimidation, which I see so often. And what helps for myself personally and what I've tried to teach in my meditation classes is, you know, if your mind starts to wander, first off, do not beat yourself up. That is that is not ahimsa, which is, you know, obviously one of the, the yamas
0: of, of yoga. I won't get too much into the full. <laughs> well, tell us what ahimsa is, because most people listening probably are not familiar with it.
1: Yeah, so ahimsa is the practice and the mindfulness of nonviolence. Nonviolence um, to yourself, to each other. And it's not just nonviolence as in hurting someone physically. Uh, it's ahimsa can also be a practice of nonviolence to yourself mentally. You know, we all go through these these mental um, spirals of I'm not good enough, or I don't look pretty enough, or or I'm not smart enough, and that is actually violence to ourselves. So ahimsa is one of the five yamas in um, yoga, and um, it is the practice of nonviolence. So, when you are in a meditation practice, it's important to realize that one, it is natural for your mind to wander. And two, instead of beating yourself up, ask yourself or tell yourself, huh, isn't that interesting? My mind started to wander about blah, 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 blah. All right, now it's time to reel it back in, come back to my breath. And then, if it happens again, isn't that interesting? My mind started to think about something else. And as you start to question yourself in that way, where it's more peaceful and more observant, you can actually enjoy your meditation practice that much more.
0: Do you recommend that we do anything with those thoughts that might've come up after the fact? Like after we finish the meditation, is it worth addressing the thoughts that came up or just really like letting them go? I think it depends on what those thoughts are.
1: I as part of my journey, I journal a lot. I try to make it a point to write, even if it's, you know, a few sentences every day. And if there's a thought that occurs to me, if it helps to write that down so it's on paper and to push it off to the side so you can continue meditating, absolutely do that. Um, If it's a a thought like, I have to plan something, that can be something that you can take some time away from you that it'll always be there. Those emails will be there. Your colleagues will be there. Take a moment for yourself. But if it's something that's really deep down that, that you find yourself starting to realize self actualization of, you know, something that you're starting to learn about yourself that you've never learned, that is something that you should stick with and start deciphering and thinking about it and and be observant of it tell yourself, you know, isn't that interesting? I realized that I tend to get anxious first thing in the morning because I grabbed my phone and started looking at emails. So perhaps now that you've observed that you can take a step back, meditate and, and hopefully continue to improve and minimize that anxiety just
0: as, as an example. Yeah. You mentioned Coming back to the breath and the importance of the breath, can you talk a little bit about how the breath is such an important part of the yoga practice on and off of the mat? Absolutely.
1: First and foremost, we need oxygen to live. It is there to guide us. Um, It's also a barometer of things. So not only do we have to learn to fully breathe, to fully expand our inhalations, We are also given this opportunity to learn about our breaths. So, as an example, if you tend to have anxiety, notice what it does to your breath. So, when it comes to the breath, it gives us an indicator of our physical body and how we actually react to things. We live in a reactionary society, a reactionary world. Our phone goes off, we grab our phone to see who texted us. We see a notification on Facebook or Instagram, and we want to go see what it is. And our breath is of a natural physical indicator. So I like to have that awareness of my breath because if something is happening with work that that triggers a stress response, right away I know what it's doing with my breath. By having a practice with your breath work, you are able to focus and be present. And there's several different kinds of breath work meditations, breath work practices that you can try to help you become aware of the breath. As soon as you start having this mentality of, okay, what's my breath doing? I will take a moment to feel the inhalation, to feel the exhalation, and not just feel it, but follow the inhalation from the beginning to the end, and the exhalation, follow it from the beginning to the end, your mind will start to quiet down, and you will have more of a grounding feeling a more present feeling in that way i do this constantly throughout my day i get emails that right away butterflies in my stomach a little bit of anxiety and taking a nice full deep breath exhaling to release and let go and then moving forward with the work does way more for me physically
0: and mentally than not doing it at all. Are there any specific breathwork techniques or practices that you like to use daily or in bouts of anxiety, particularly maybe some bad anxiety where people are having a panic attack and losing their breath or feel like they can't breathe or just their heart is pounding? One of the things that I like to do
1: with my yoga students and particularly beginners, and, and I think this is a really good one, is to place one hand over your heart, one hand over the navel and feel the breath. If you can inhale and feel both the belly and the ribs expand out evenly and equally, and then as you exhale feeling and uh, observing those hands as well as the belly and the ribs, I like that breath work a lot because it's easy. You can feel it. You can do this laying down, you can do this sitting, or you can do this standing up. So that's a really nice, easy one Um, to build on that. I also encourage people to count. You know, you can count to three or to four or to five on an inhalation and then count to that same number on your exhalation. So then your mind starts to have a linear uh, thought process. Um, Another thing that you can do is count the actual breaths. So you can tell yourself, I'm going to count to 10. Inhale one, exhale one, inhale two, exhale two. And as soon as your mind starts to wander, start back at the beginning Mm. and see how often
0: your mind starts to flexion. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I'm going to try that next time I need Yeah. Speaking of anxiety, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast either experience it regularly or even have just experienced it during tough periods of their life before. How can yoga, aside from breathing, help with that? The physical postures of yoga
1: certainly help with anxiety. I mean, exercise, exercise absolutely helps. But if we're talking specifically of yoga, stretching, lengthening, strengthening your body, being aware of the contacts, the contact points of your body parts onto the mat, being able to get into those hamstrings and those calf muscles that people often neglect, doing Mm -hmm. hip openers. So in the physical yoga practice itself, in the asanas, we work towards moving our bodies with the breath. So of course the breath is included in this, but we're also bringing this awareness into the physical body that also allows us to work towards a meditative practice in the actual physical postures of yoga. So an example is, you know, downward facing dog, out of Mukha Svanasana. If those of you who don't know, it's the, your hands are on the mat at the top of the mat and your feet are also on the mat and you're pushed or you're in a V position, like an upside down V position. If you are really honed in on your physical practice and you're working towards quieting the mind, you can be so aware and present with that posture itself by focusing on what your hands are doing, where your fingers are, what your hips are doing, what your legs are doing, what your quadriceps are doing, what your heels are doing. And that also allows you to quiet the mind. So now not only are you physically working the body, You're working the mind or you're quieting the mind. You're focusing on the breath. And moving physically, getting that energy out there alleviates that anxiety. Anxiety is energy. And all we need to do is get rid of that energy, whether that is doing yoga or running or going to the gym, lifting weights. So any kind of physical practice that you can purely enjoy and be present with is highly encouraged if you tend to have anxiety and do it on a regular basis, you know, do your best. If it's a matter of time, if you don't have time, or if, if that's something you tell yourself five minutes, 10 minutes a day of something physical, absolutely a hundred percent helps with anxiety.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I'm, I'm curious actually, because I do think that all kind of versions of yoga whether it's hatha it's more relaxed or whether it's something that's a little bit more fast paced and intense can help with anxiety depending on where you are in your journey and what you're feeling on that day but i've also had a couple friends who i've recommended yoga to and they've come back to me and been like oh i went to a class where i did a video and i, I actually just found it very stressful like i couldn't keep up with what was happening i didn't know the poses and and this and that so what would you say to people who are beginners at yoga and may be struggling with anxiety or even not but are just trying to reduce their day-to-day stress and like what should they start with (laughs) what practice should they start with so that they're not super overwhelmed this is that's a really great question and i
1: i have a couple answers to that first and foremost you know if, if you tend to be the kind of person that is conscious of yourself in a class if your mind is you know, jumping from one thing to another, if you find it stressful, take a step back, meditate. And if you're not someone who meditates, just take that time to really set an intention. Always set an intention before every single practice. I set an intention for every single day. Um, And that intention can simply be, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to be open-minded about this. I will do my best to not be judgmental about it. If something doesn't go the way I expect it to, not a big deal. It's all good. So set an intention. Um, And, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done, but something as simple as an affirmation of I will be open-minded about trying this can already set a tone, a positive tone for trying something new instead of being fearful of change or fearful of trying something new. So that is a journey in and of itself. Secondly. Go to a beginner class. Try it out. Get to know your teacher. Be open with the teacher. Let them know, hey, I I tried this out at my home. I didn't know what I was doing. Go to a beginner class that allows you to try something new without the pressure. And remember, if you feel that pressure, You've kind of created it for yourself, right? That's the whole point of being aware of 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 how our mind reacts to things. Mm -hmm. We often create these pressures for ourselves and uh, try your best to eliminate it. That that is also a really interesting journey because, you know, I I do get a lot of beginner students. I do get students who, as soon as I ask them to do something, they're like, "Oh, I don't want to do that," but. What I try to do as a teacher is set the tone at the beginning of the class, whether that's having them set an intention, whether that's setting breath work. Simply by having that anchor on your breath, automatically I see my students quiet down, be present. If you find yourself starting to uh, get uh, stressed about being in a yoga class, Pause. Take that moment to yourself, and take a nice deep breath. Let go of your worries, and then continue on. I do that in my classes quite often when I start to feel the energy lift a bit with my students. If if they start to giggle, or you know, if they start to um, lose focus, which again is perfectly natural, I remind them, "All right, let's you know take this moment. Close your eyes. Reconnect with your breath if you've lost that connection." Make any
0: observations with your mind, so that's kind of a long drawn out answer. But I hope no, it's, I that's it. so great. That's <laughs> I love that because it, it's more than one thing. And like you brought up, people can be struggling with many different aspects of this. Some might be purely intimidated by the physical, but a lot of it is also mental and overcoming the the limited belief that you know only people who do yoga are super stretchy and like already super relaxed. And it's like. No, they most likely started off in the same place you are, but it was just hard work and regular practice that got them to this point. So it doesn't mean you can't get there. You just have to get started. Yes. And to add on to that,
1: well, the other thing is get a private class. Mm, get a private yeah. lesson with someone who you can trust, who is experienced and can watch what you're doing. That will help break the barriers. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, I love that you brought that up about You know, this idea that I'm not stretchy, I'm not flexible, I'm not strong enough. I cannot tell you how many times I've taught older students in their 50s, in their 60s, and seeing them trust that journey and grow, and all of a sudden they're doing a balance pose without worrying about falling over. Mm -hmm. That is a yogi. They may not be as flexible, they may not be as young as you or I, but the whole point for them is to be present and focused. You can be the most flexible person on this planet and still not get the concept of yoga.
0: Absolutely. Yes, that is so true. Yeah. You can be doing splits, but it doesn't mean that you're actually practicing yoga in your day-to-day life or being present in any area of your practice, whether it's on the mat or just in your daily life. Absolutely, I'll tell you this much. I teach uh, teenagers, college
1: students, well, I, I teach at, at, at Stetson University. And the beginning of every semester is so interesting to me because I get all levels come in, mostly beginners who have never done yoga in their entire lives. And then other people that are really athletic. And I have to remind myself as a teacher that everyone is on a different journey. Mm-hmm. And I've had you know some students that refuse to use blocks that push it to the limit. And, you know, I make a mental note of that and hope that in the next class they learn, you know, it's not about looking the best or the prettiest. It's about being present and focused on the breath. And that is a practice I'm constantly working on. I don't think I'm a master yogi at all. I know of a lot of teachers that don't feel like they're a master yogi. But we sure as hell try
0: and we work really hard. And that's such an important point, too, because I think for people who do come in just trying to look pretty or trying to like push themselves to be more flexible, you can get very hurt that way. So that's just a bad idea overall.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I actually had this happen recently in a class. I had everyone go into a supported bridge pose, um, and someone decided to go into pinwheel. And it was at the end of the class. We're starting to cool down. I have several reasons why I want to go into a supported bridge pose with your block so it's relaxing mm-hmm. and we're starting to get more restorative towards the end of class to prepare for shavasana. And the student got into pinwheel and right away, first off, he's going to hurt himself. That wasn't the point of it. And I asked him kindly to come down. And I did that for a couple reasons. Uh, first, I I got a little insecure right after I asked him to do that, like, oh, right away. Oh, he's probably not coming to my class next week because I asked him to get out of this pose, but I have to remind myself, the students right next to him were probably really grateful that he was, that he was taken out of that pose because it's intimidating for them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go into pinwheel. They're just listening to my instructions. So That being said, it was a very interesting learning experience for me, and he came back next week, and he continues to come every week, and I see him progress into using blocks and listening to instructions, and it's a great experience for myself as a teacher to see that. So that's a really good example, at least from a teacher perspective, of a student being able to back off. Let's just relax. You know, let's not try to push ourselves. It's not a competition. Yeah, exactly.
0: Sometimes if you are in that point in your practice and that's how you're, you know, feeling that day that you can do it, then it works for you. But if you're just trying to be like, where can I take this further? Every single time you get into a pose, it's not going to serve you. Exactly. I completely agree with that. Yeah. So I want to move into talking a little bit about yoga and the ego, which I think is a particularly interesting topic uh, when we relate it to the music industry. How can we use yoga to balance our ego? To tie in what we
1: just talked about, that student who went into pinwheel, which is a really, a really challenging backbend for those of you who aren't aware of that, um, that is your ego. <laughs> your ego is telling you I can do pinwheel. No one else in this class can do it. And I'm just going to do that. Yeah. So in our yoga practice, we start to recognize what our ego is telling us. I'm actually a firm believer that we have two sides of our ego. We have a healthy ego and we have a not so healthy ego. And the not so healthy ego is the stereotypical big head, you know, in it for themselves, in it to win it, that kind of mentality. Yeah um and specifically talking on that mentality we see that time and time again in and not just our our work life but you know we find ourselves doing that i've definitely found myself tapping into that unhealthy ego and it's tough to reel yourself back in but the simple practice which is what yoga teaches us is to recognize when that does happen that is the first step from there you can Figure out ways on your own time or in your yoga practice or as you meditate on how to mitigate when that ego is talking to you. I actually have an example that happened recently with a client and this client was not happy with myself and with my team. You know, truth be told, he berated us. And and it was so heartbreaking because as an artist manager, I am so passionate about the clients that I work with and the work that they do that you can't help but feel discouraged when that happens. And so for a few days, you know, I struggled with it a a bit. And what I ended up learning from that is my ego was telling me to feel hurt about it. My ego was telling me to tap into these emotions that just simply would not help the situation at all. So as I start to recognize that, which I feel I've been able to, because of my yoga practice, I had to take a step back and tap into my healthy ego. And that healthy ego to me is this idea of being able to recognize when you are, you know, feeling a certain way, starting to, uh, simply acknowledging what is actually happening as opposed to using your unhealthy ego and Start to perpetuate these ideas like, oh, that person sucks, and oh, this and that. Whereas your healthy ego is like, you know what? Actually, that person might have just had a bad day. And that was what happened. My client was having a bad day. And what I had to do, which I had to get over this unhealthy ego, is get on a call and talk it out. And we talked for like half an hour, putting aside that ego and reminding myself that this isn't about me. It is about that client. It is about their music. It is about their, you know, projects, their business that we're building around them. And by recognizing that's what I had to do and being able to do that, we got off that phone call and it was amazing. And I feel that much closer to this client. I feel that much more open and honest and transparent with that client. And I feel that it's equally the other direction as well. And it only helps to build these
0: professional relationships that we work so hard on. Yeah, I think it's so easy in the music industry, especially for people who are either trying to get a job, trying to work their way up as a music industry professional, or trying to make it as an artist and songwriter. It's very easy to take every little setback super personally. So, I, yeah, it's, I think it's so important to keep ego in mind in this and notice, okay, there's some balance. Like, if you get declined for a job offer or if you meet with so, an artist manager or a music publisher or someone who doesn't want to take you on as a client or maybe doesn't like your music or gives you some critiques, it doesn't mean that you suck and the world is against you. But it also can mean that maybe there's some things you can continue to improve upon and work on and having this balance of the ego is so important to kind of acknowledge what's the good, what's the bad of this situation, put it in actual perspective and move forward in a way that benefits your career as opposed to just like wallowing in pity for yourself, which we've all been through. I've totally done it. Like same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've all wallowed. It's, it's okay, but it doesn't mean we should always stay that way. Yeah. I, I love what you
1: just said because when we're talking about healthy ego, that's the ego that pushes us to get better, to improve. If you sent your music to a label and they didn't like it, instead of you know being upset and hurt by it and feeling like a victim, instead use that as an opportunity to tap into some healthy ego, to feel fiery and think, you know what? Uh, my next record is going to be even better. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to work with different people. That is the healthy ego that we can tap into to constantly improve and to also make sure that mentally we are in a solid state to be able to work in an industry that is simply founded on passion. You know, the music industry is about subjectivity and art and passion. I'm not in this industry because I think that I can make millions. I'm not making millions. But I'm in this industry because I believe in the clients that I work with and I believe in their music. And that is my healthy ego telling me to persevere and to have resilience.
0: And like you said, everything is so subjective. I remember once I had the opportunity, I actually went to NYU and studied music business, not graduate, just undergrad. And um, yeah, so same program, just different, you know, undergrad versus grad. But while I was there, when I was a senior, um, I had actually taken this class back when I was a freshman that was a, it was a sort of like an a and R E class where you like listen to music and listen to artists and kind of talked about their, I don't know, just what it sounds like, the A&R behind it, what works with their music, what works with them as a personality, analyzing songs and things like that. And when I was a senior, I went back into that class and performed a song because they Had the opportunity for people to apply perform a song and then kind of get critiqued by the group and by the teacher and an industry professional that they would bring in and i had played one song and they were like oh you know we talked about this before you came in but we think it might work if you played that song a little bit faster like if you sped up the tempo and that was something where i was just like you have to acknowledge that all criticism is welcomed but it doesn't mean that you have to take it or change everything that people tell you to change. So when I got that I'm like, okay, a whole group of people and two music industry professionals who are like well regarded are telling me maybe I should make this song faster. But my creative like my creativity, my songwriting self is thinking, I don't want to do that. Like that's not how I wrote the song. It's not the mood that I wrote the song. So what am I gonna do? Am I gonna get really flustered and rethink like all of my songwriting pursuits and worry about if I should make this song faster or am I just going to acknowledge what they said, keep it in mind, but essentially just let it go and kind of move on from that and just, you know, like I said, keep it in mind if it ever does feel relevant but not let it, like, wreck me because they critiqued my song. And I definitely had to learn from that. It's such a small example and it may sound even a little bit silly, but I do Oh, it's not silly at all. Yeah, I mean, I really do feel like people will get up in arms about things like that. And it makes sense. It It can be really hard when someone is critiquing your work. Like you put everything into this, but it doesn't mean that you have to take it to heart and let it like mess you up. Absolutely. And I think the practice of
1: receiving constructive feedback, constructive criticism is such an interesting journey in and of itself, because that is essentially what your practice was, was I'm receiving this constructive criticism, how am I going to react to it? And having exactly. the awareness of being able to let that
0: go. Yoga! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you are on the other side of that as well as an artist manager. I imagine you're giving constructive feedback very frequently. So how, how is that for you when you have to, you know, acknowledge, okay, I'm dealing with artists here who maybe taking this bad or well, like how do you deal with that as the person giving it and when people react unfavorably to it?
1: Well, first and foremost, when it comes to constructive criticism, what helps is knowing how to receive it when you are on the receiving end. And one of the skills that I I take a lot of pride in is the ability to take constructive criticism. It's something that, you know, previous employers have commented on. And it's a skill that I think everyone should work on constantly. Being able to step outside the box, receive what this person is saying and have it not affect you emotionally it is, is to me, a yoga practice. Um, and to add on to that point, when it comes to receiving constructive criticism, one of the things I have to remember is the person who's giving it to me. It's, who is that person? Why are they giving that constructive criticism? Where, where are they coming from with it? And knowing that if someone is offering that to me, it's coming from a place, nine times out of 10, from someplace that's positive, from someplace that's trying to be helpful and to remember that people are trying to help, you know, just like your class. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to help and Mm -hmm. offer a suggestion. Yeah. So first being able to receive constructive criticism. Every single day, I have to give constructive criticism to clients that are insecure, who have poured their heart and soul in an album. And I think what's truly been able to help, other than being able to receive constructive criticism for myself, is being able to deliver it in a way that isn't going to necessarily incite defensiveness. Right because that's a, that's the kind of reaction we don't want is for someone to become defensive, right. so learning to craft your message in a way that's like, "Hey, you know this album artwork, and you know that you put a lot of work into it. Have you thought about maybe using this color or thought about this font?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, or you know the way that you look in this press photo, you're looking over into the corner and it makes me think of this. How about we try using something else that makes you look more? introspective, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's just a way that you can craft that message. And that is a practice as well.
0: Yeah. but As as opposed to just being
1: like, this sucks. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And nothing is worse than someone saying, I don't like it. Why? Because I just don't like it. I have definitely heard that time and time again. And I feel for the creatives, the graphic designers and the musicians and the, you know, TV directors that get that kind of message because it does nothing to help at all. So if you are a giver of constructive criticism, be constructive, give examples, do your best to explain why. And then that way we can take ego out of the question. We can take defensiveness out of the question and let's all work towards our common goal of succeeding. That's really at the end of the day, we all want to succeed.
0: Yeah. That's it. I love that. (laughs) And that's (laughs) such a good place to kind of wrap our discussion. You know, we talked so much about the physical benefits of yoga with anxiety and being present and then bringing it all back to just the ego and how we operate in our day-to-day lives. Because ultimately, like some people might not have the time or the desire or the willingness to get on the mat and practice yoga physically for an extended period of time every day. But we can still practice this and we can still practice just being better humans when it comes down to it every day and every second. And a lot of that comes down to just recognizing our ego, keeping it in track, notice how we're talking to people, notice how we're reacting to people, and see how we can just do better to be a little bit calmer and more considerate in our day-to-day lives. Absolutely.
1: And thereby creating an industry that's more positive, more inclusive, and more open-minded. absolutely yeah that's the goal right (laughs) yes it is we love this industry because we're passionate people yeah (laughs) thank you so much melissa for being on today where can we connect with you you can connect with me on instagram i am at underscore melissa garcia m-e-l-i-s-s-a-g-a-r-c-i-a i like to post things about yoga and sup yoga going to the springs having fun and traveling Um, I'm also on Facebook if you'd like to follow me or not follow me. If you'd like to friend me and start up a chat. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So I'm around if anyone has absolutely any questions. I get really nerdy about yoga in the music industry and happy (laughs) to fuck everyone's ears off. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much
0: for being on today. Thank you, Katie.